I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. On the look ahead, Scott Seidenberg with you. It is the Sports Betting Network. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. We had a couple of college bowl games on Tuesday and one cancellation. Yeah, that's just the reality. You know what's going to happen. I talked about it briefly yesterday that I hoped all five were going to be played, but there is a Very good possibility that they aren't. And that's what happened when UCLA backed out of the Holiday Bowl because um, they were just overrun by COVID and they were unable to uh, field a team safely. So their game against NC State was canceled, which was crazy because they canceled that game like hours before kickoff. And it's a shame because NC State's there. They're in San Diego. They're ready to play this game. And they find out five hours before kickoff, not even, that there's no game. And for the fans that were supposed to go down there, it's just, it's it's terrible. Just a bad spot for everybody involved. But we did have four games uh, being played, and three underdogs, one favorite. Houston wins outright over Auburn. That was one of our best bets from last night. 17-13, Clayton Toon throwing a late touchdown pass. The under was also our lean on that game, and uh, it came through as the defense played great on uh, Houston's side. Auburn, you know, was able to come up with some stops as well. But pretty much the game played out exactly how uh, we talked about it last night. Same thing for Air Force and Louisville. Air Force wins outright as a little underdog. I think it was a pick They might have actually closed as a dog. 31-28, the final score. They took a 28-14 to 14 lead into the half, and then Louisville stormed back, and uh, Air Force was able to get a field goal in the fourth quarter to put themselves up 10. Malik Cunningham then had a touchdown run late in the fourth quarter to make it a seven-point game, and Air Force was able to uh, run out the clock, and so they held on for a 31-28 win. Malik Cunningham... 207 passing yards and a touchdown, uh, 63 rushing yards and a touchdown. 20 rushing touchdowns on the season for Malik Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville. Major Lamar Jackson vibes there. In the Mike Leach Bowl, Texas Tech and Mississippi State. This was the one we got wrong. (laughs) Mississippi State was 10-point favorites in this game. Mike Leach had talked about it all week, about how it meant something to him playing against 
his former program in Texas Tech. And I thought that Will Rogers was going to have a field day against this defense. Coming into this game, Texas Tech had the worst passing defense in the Big 12. And Mississippi State had the number three passing offense in the entire country. It didn't look like that. Will Rogers threw for 290 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Texas Tech ran all over Mississippi State. 260 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And a disappointing performance. I mean, think about this. Will Rogers, let me just read you his game logs this season. 336 yards, 391, 415, 417, 344, 384, 408, 371, 419. And in this bowl game against the worst passing defense in their respective conference, threw for 290 yards. His lowest output of the season in this bowl game. That's not what I expected to happen. And so Texas Tech dominates the game. They win 34-7 to as a 10-point underdog. Actually closed at 8.5-point uh, underdog, winning outright. And then in the nightcap, it was all Minnesota as uh, they were able to take care of West Virginia 18-6. to They ran the ball effectively as well, 249 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. West Virginia had barely 200 yards of total offense in this game. That was what uh, we should have put in the parlay. Instead of Mississippi State, we should have put Michigan in the parlay. But uh, two and one in our bowl picks, and uh, we'll continue to grind this thing out. We have three games coming up here on Wednesday. Maryland and Virginia Tech in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Maryland is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. You have Clemson and Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. That one being played in Orlando. Clemson is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And then the game that I'm on, Oklahoma and Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. That one being played in San Antonio. I love Oklahoma in this matchup. Uh, I think that they... You know, put together a statement game here to kind of separate themselves from the Lincoln Riley era and move on um, to the next phase for this program. The fact that Bob Stoops has, you know, helped out with this transition, taking over and coaching this game for this team, uh, I think says a lot. I think the players want to play for him. And I expect Oklahoma to uh, show up here against Oregon. A, a program that's in a ton of transition without their best player in Kayvon Thibodeau, who's obviously going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, just think it's a bad spot for Oregon, and I think Oklahoma puts up a big number on the Ducks. So I like Oklahoma. If I had to make a play on all three games, I like Maryland over Virginia Tech, and um, I don't know about Clemson-Iowa State, to be honest with you. I would think that it would be, you know, Clemson um, in this matchup. Brock Purdy is certainly capable of pulling this thing off against the Clemson uh, defense. Um, Clemson, 
obviously not in the college football playoff for the first time in the last, what, six six seasons. They had gone to the college football playoff every single year, and now they're not in the college football playoff. Um, Brees Hall, dominant running back for Iowa State. I think this is a good matchup here. I really do. Uh, looking at the, both of these teams in their outputs, uh, Clemson, they score 26.8 points per game. They only allow 15. Iowa State scores 32.8. They allow 20.6. Maybe a play on the total, which is in the 40s, 44. But I don't really have a read on uh, on this game, to be honest with you. Uh, I think my strong play here is Oklahoma. If I had to make a pick on all three games, I would go Maryland in the first game, and I'd go uh, the over 44, let's say, in the uh, Clemson-Iowa State game. And that would be the play for me. So if I had to make a pick on all three bowl games. We're going to dive heavy into the college football playoff tomorrow with uh, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. will join me in his weekly spot. The college football playoff will be on Friday. It's ridiculous that these games are on New Year's Eve. I mean, to not want people watching. I mean, I'll be watching, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I took the overs in both the games because the college football playoffs, they tend to go over. There's a lot of points being scored in these games. Yes, there are a couple of under games, and those under games, though, usually are non-competitive games. Like, let's see, Notre, uh, Clemson beating Notre Dame 30-3. to or Alabama over Clemson 24 to 6. Clemson over Ohio State 31 nothing. Though uh, Alabama over Washington 24-7. Those are your under games. When one team just completely dominates. Dumb. But when the other team can chip in and contribute, we get overs. Year 1 42-35. 59-20. Year two, 37-17, 38 nothing. Year three, 24-7, 31-nothing. Year four, 24-6, 54 Then we keep moving. 45, 34, 30 to 3. 63, 28, 29, 23. 31, 14, 49, 28. And then the finals. I mean. You want to talk about going over the totals. 42-20 in year one. 45-40 in year two. 35-31 year three. 26-23 year four. 44-16 year five. 42-25 year six. 52-24 last season. Depending on how high the totals are, a lot of points being scored. I look at this game... I look at both of these games, and I think that both, uh, I think all four teams can score. Uh, I think the number's too low, to be honest with you, in Georgia-Michigan. We just saw Alabama's offense torch Michigan for 41 points. Now, we know that Michigan's not Alabama's offense, but they're pretty darn good. I think McNamara's going to be able to throw the ball, and I think they're going to be able to score on Georgia. I think Georgia is also going to be able to score on Michigan. And Alabama-Cincinnati, you know, the 13-and-a-half point line is one that I don't have a definitive play on. 
but I do think that it could be a competitive game for a little, maybe for a half or three quarters. And part of me thinks that Alabama pulls away in the fourth quarter. And I think that they could win by two touchdowns. But if they do, I think it goes over because I think that Alabama could win 42 to 21. Like, this is a competitive game through three quarters, and then Alabama scores, you know, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to pull, uh, to pull away. That's the way I see this one possibly playing out. More on that, though, as we get closer and closer to the game. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's a look ahead here on Visa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sign up for a play card, debit, MasterCard, and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with play card. Visit playcard.com today to apply subject to card activation and ID verification. Terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank and A. Member FDIC. Scott Sandberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, I saw this um, article about how the Lakers started LeBron James at center. Whoa. Wow. What a big deal. Starting for the first time in his NBA career at center. It's 2021. It's going to be 2022 in a matter of days. The NBA is positionless. We don't even call them centers anymore, right? It's one, two, three, four, five. So LeBron played the five. That's supposed to be a big deal to me? He's a positionless basketball player. He could play anywhere. And this is not a this is a non-story. What is a story, to be honest with you, is the Lakers winning the game and covering the spread. 132 to 123. The the game closed Lakers five and a half or six. And they won the game and covered the spread. But it didn't always look like that was going to be the case, right? Lakers had to uh, 
make some plays down the stretch, make some free throws. This was a seven-point game. Actually, this was a five-point game with 45 seconds left. LeBron hits two free throws. Now it's a seven-point game. Kevin Porter misses a shot. LeBron makes two more free throws. Now it's a nine-point game. And then Jalen Green hits a shot. It's now a seven-point game. Russell Westbrook makes two free throws. It's a nine-point game. The free throws helped. Or else the Lakers wouldn't have covered. The Lakers are the worst ATS team in the NBA. So I don't care about where LeBron plays. We know he can handle defending anybody in the NBA. And we know offensively, it doesn't matter where he plays, just matters who guards him defensively. And really, what is impressive is that he and the team, the worst team against the spread in the NBA, covered a game. That is the biggest takeaway here. But LeBron James and Russell Westbrook each had a triple-double. It's the third time that Lakers teammates have had a triple-double in the same game. Two of the three involved LeBron James. The third was Kareem and Magic in 1982. And LeBron James reached 36,000 career points. He is the youngest player to reach every round number milestone in points. Yes, that means he's the youngest player to ever reach 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, all the way up to 36,000 career points. That's what happens when you're an all-time great and you also go into the NBA straight out of high school. You're going to become the youngest to hit these milestones. Uh, the Lakers, they won. They covered. Congratulations. Great job. The Bucks beat up on the Magic, 127-110. Heat over the Wizards, 119-112. Sixers top the Raptors, 114-109. Knicks over the depleted Timberwolves. I feel so bad for Minnesota. I mean, there's not much you can do with this COVID news. They are just one of the teams that's ravaged by uh, COVID situations here. Um, as they uh, uh, win uh, Minnesota without their starters. Knicks win 96-88. The Cavs blew a 23-point lead. Or you could say it the other way around and say the Pelicans came back from 23 points down. Pelicans beat the Cavs 108-104. It was the Nuggets over the Warriors 89-86. And this is going to be a little bit a final game, uh, 117-111 Kings over the Thunder. This is going to be a little bit of a transition here, though, for Golden State as they adjust to, obviously, you know, the the COVID situation that they're dealing with. Uh, Draymond Green placed in the COVID protocols. So playing the first time without Draymond Green, uh, unable to get anything going here, really. Uh, Wiggins did come back, so he was activated from the health and safety protocols. But um, Iguodala really got nothing. Uh, he had just one point. He was a minus nine. You know, Porter, he didn't even score in 26 minutes. So just a uh, not a good performance for the Golden State Warriors uh, playing without Draymond Green. Steph Curry finished with 23 points. Taking a look 
at the games coming up here on Wednesday and see if we get a little updated line action. We got the Pacers as two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Hornets. The Knicks are laying six in Detroit, second out of a back-to-back for the Knicks, part of a four-game road trip for them. The Celtics, they are five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Clippers. This one is interesting to me. I need to know who uh, are playing for the Clippers, though, because the Celtics are missing Jason Tatum, Dennis Schroeder, and possibly Marcus Smart. So Jason Tatum and Schroeder are in the COVID protocols. Marcus Smart's dealing with a cut on his hand. Celtics laying five and a half at home without those three players. Again, let me see who's playing for the Clippers. Uh, The Bulls are eight and a half point favorites over the Hawks. Atlanta, one of the teams that really affected by all the COVID um, players and their safety protocols and whatnot. Uh, Lakers, second out of a back-to-back. They are three and a half point underdogs at the Grizzlies. The Heat are three point dogs at the Spurs. Uh, Suns are 15-point favorites against the Thunder. You have the Jazz laying 5.5 against the Blazers, and then the Mavericks 1 point over the Kings. So a big uh, NBA slate here on Wednesday. Look to see if we can put together a couple of winners here, maybe a little uh, three-team action. Everyone likes a three-teamer. A little fun parlay here for the NBA. Hey, the NHL came back. We're excited about that, right? We had hockey games, including... uh, one here with the Vegas Golden Knights. They were on the road in L.A., but Vegas got the job done 6-3 over the Kings. The Sharks beat the Coyotes 8-7 in a shootout. I think that game went over. And then uh, the Lightning, a 5-4 win over the Canadiens. All three games here in the NHL went over. So what can we take from that? Players had a long break, Right. There was uh, obviously the postponements. They were, they were supposed to have a little you know, Christmas break, postponements with the uh, COVID situations. So you have taxi squads now in the NHL so that they can um, fill in the rosters, get some players to play uh, with all the, the situations so they don't have to postpone any more games really. But did the layoff affect the teams? And is that why we saw so many goals being scored here on Tuesday? There were four goals scored in the first period of the Coyotes and Sharks. Four in the first period of Vegas and L.A. Three in the first period of Lightning Canadiens. Are are the goalies rusty? Are the players' legs, you know, either fresh from the time off? Or are they a little slow because they haven't played in a couple of days? I don't know, but three overs and seeing those that many goals scored kind of makes me think that maybe we could be headed towards some overs here on uh, Wednesday. So you take a look at Wednesday's NHL action, and maybe there are spots here to, to bet on some totals. Devils and Sabres, total is five and a half. Devils are minus 130. Rangers and Panthers. Panthers are minus 160, total of six. You have the Capitals, minus 150 against the Predators, total of five and a half. Blues are minus 130 against the Oilers, total of six. The Kraken, minus 135 against the Flyers, total of six. 
and then the Ducks minus 120 against Vancouver with a total of five and a half. Maybe a uh, grand salami over. If it could be the way to go with all these uh, with all these games, because we we had a lot of game, a lot of goals being scored here in the first games back from the brief COVID layoff in the NHL. We'll get back into the NFL coming up next. I want to talk about the awards. I want to talk about the prop bets. Uh, who's going to win Coach of the Year? Who's going to win MVP? Because it's getting really polarizing. If you ask different people who they're going to vote for or who they believe should win the MVP in the NFL. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Save 50% off a VSIN All Access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bets emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network, as we take a look to the futures market in the NFL, and we'll focus in on the awards. For Offensive Player of the Year, it is a two-man race between Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. I, I wouldn't be objective to just giving it to both guys. I don't have a bet. I don't have a dog in this race, but both these guys in in different aspects, deserve this award. If you look at what Jonathan Taylor has done, he leads the NFL in rushing yardage 500 yards more than the next running back. He's got 1,626 yards. He also leads in rushing touchdowns. He's got 17 rushing touchdowns on the season. By far the best running back in the NFL this year. Derrick Henry, by the way, who hasn't played uh, in since week eight, I guess. He's sixth in the NFL in rushing. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's played 15 games. Derrick Henry's played eight. Uh, but if you look at receiving, Cooper Cup leads the league in receiving yardage about 300 yards more than the next highest receiver. He's got 1,734 receiving yards. He has the most touchdowns as well, 14. So most receiving yards, most receiving touchdowns. Taylor, most rushing yards, most rushing touchdowns. Those guys both deserve this award. Defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons, has done something that is just absolutely incredible this year. He's got 13 sacks. I saw this stat here. I have to get this here. Um, I really got to find it. But Micah Parsons became like the first player. I don't want to get this wrong. Here we go. He's got 13 sacks 
and 79 tackles. He's the only player in the NFL over the last nine NFL seasons to accomplish those numbers. Not just the only rookie, like the only player. 79 tackles, 13 sacks. Pro Football Focus has him 60 pressures. That's the most in the NFL. 13 sacks. That's the most. We're talking about amongst linebackers. Just a tremendous season for Micah Parsons. He is your favorite right now to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's a lock for Defensive Rookie. He's your overall favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. T.J. Watt is right there with him. And if you look at the stats right now, you have 13. You have T.J. Watt with 17 and a half sacks. Micah Parsons got 13. Overall tackles, Parsons has 79. T.J. Watt only has 54. So doesn't have, uh, you know, as many tackles. What I do like about T.J. Watt, though, is that if you look at his um, 17 and a half sacks, he's got four forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries. I think that says a lot about the type of player that he is, that not only is he getting to the quarterback, but he's also making plays when he gets to the quarterback. He also has four pass deflections. Micah Parsons, three pass deflections, three forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. And he's got 13 sacks compared to T.J. Watt's 17 and a half sacks. Uh, T.J. Watt has also played two less games than Micah Parsons. Because of injury, T.J. Watt's only played 13 games, and he has 17 and a half sacks. He was my pick going into the season. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is your third favorite at plus 750. Uh, Not much more you could say about Trayvon Diggs with the interceptions. You know, 11 picks this year, and two of them returned for touchdowns. What an incredible season that he has had. Comeback player of the year, it's Dak Prescott's award. He's minus 650. Joe Burrow's at plus 450. Coach of the year, I think, is um, wide open. I really do. I think the next two weeks will determine who's going to win coach of the year. Uh, I got a tweet who uh, a, a tweet that came in to me. Um, CRG wants to uh, talk about, you know, don't forget um, Andy Reid for coach of the year. Andy Reid's far down this list. He's at plus 6,000. I don't think he gets this award. People don't consider Andy Reid when it comes to, you know, coach of the year stuff. Because it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They were the favorite coming into the season. You can't be the favorite coming into the season and then have a bad start to the season, bounce back, and become coach of the year. Matt LaFleur is the favorite right now. That's the guy that I bet on last month. Uh, The Packers, best record in the NFL, likely going to finish that way as well. Could be 14-3, and number one seed in the NFC. And when you consider the drama that they dealt with coming into the season and how they looked in week one against the Saints, and then to just dominate from that point on, Aaron Rodgers could be back-to-back MVP, but Matt LaFleur certainly has done a tremendous job. Frank Reich has done a tremendous job. He's your second favorite. The Colts have won eight of their last 10 games and have put themselves into the playoff picture. 
from being not even in it at all several weeks back. Zach Taylor, that's a name that we mentioned a long time ago and kind of forgot about. But Zach Taylor's plus 750 right now. If the Cincinnati Bengals win the AFC North, boy, it's going to be real hard to not give Zach Taylor the award. To think about where the Bengals came from, Joe Burrow returning from the injury, no one really knowing what to expect from this team, to, to, to have them as maybe the three seed in the playoffs, division winners, that says a lot. I think that uh, Mike Vrabel still deserves some credit for what he's been able to do with this Titans team. Losing Derrick Henry, yes, they suffered a drop-off, but they've bounced back. And now if they finish out the season strong, they might be the number two seed, dare I say the number one seed, if Kansas City suffers a hiccup in the AFC. Sean McVay's got the Rams. Division winners, likely. Says a lot about his performance. But how about Brian Flores, plus 2,200 now after the Dolphins win their seventh straight game? It's highly unlikely because they're underdogs for the next two games. But if they win these next two games as underdogs and finish the year 10-7 and seven after starting the year 1-7 and seven, and they make the playoffs... Brian Flores is your coach of the year. He's plus 2,200. Those are, I mean, the odds are greater than if you just bet the Dolphins on the money line this week and next week. So the value there is on Brian Flores because it's going to be hard to not give him the award if that's what the Dolphins do to end the year. This was a one-in-seven football team. They've won seven straight games, and yeah, Haven't really beaten anybody in these seven games. All seven wins against non-playoff teams. But if they win now on the road at Tennessee as an underdog and then win at home against the Patriots next week, that's nine straight wins, that's a 10-7 and season, and that's a trip to the playoffs. That's the best coaching job in the NFL by far. Taking a team that was down and out at one in seven and turning them into a playoff team. So uh, I would maybe consider Brian Flores plus 2,200 if you think that the Dolphins have a chance against the Titans this week in Tennessee. And then if they win that game, then it's you pretty much hedge out of it. You could bet on the Patriots in that final week. Whatever you feel like doing. I don't think the Dolphins win in Tennessee because I haven't been impressed with them over this stretch, but I'm just talking about the correlation. If you are impressed, if you do like them, if you are a believer, Brian Flores plus 2,200 certainly worth a look for Coach of the Year. I think this thing is wide open and will play itself out over the next two weeks. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. Coming up next, who wants to be the MVP? Let's look ahead here on Visa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast, Hoops, and many more. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. You know, taking a look at the marquee award here in the NFL, yes, the AP most valuable player. Throughout the course of the season, it felt like the theme of this award was who doesn't want it, Right? There were different players that were favored at different points throughout the season, and it just seemed like all of them had a drop-off at some point. They all had bad performances that led to them no longer being the favorite to win the award. For instance, in week one, it was Patrick Mahomes as the favorite. Up until week three, when it became Kyler Murray. And then in week five, Josh Allen. Week six, Kyler Murray took it back. Week seven, Josh Allen took it back. Then in week 10, Tom Brady became the favorite. Week 11, Josh Allen took it back. Week 12, Brady took it back. And then Brady held on to it until this past week. When now, after 16 weeks of the NFL season, Aaron Rodgers is your favorite. Let's examine the case for the MVPs in a game I like to call, Who Wants to Be an MVP? Boy, I wish I was wearing an old school jacket and had that thin, you know, uh, Bob Barker microphone. But let's play Who Wants to Be the MVP? As I'll put on my game show voice and we can play the game where you can walk away with a ton of prizes. And you can follow along and play at home as well. And don't forget to buy the Who Wants to Be the MVP at home version so you can play with your family when we're not on the air. 
Aaron Rodgers is your favorite to win this award. And there's really no argument about why Aaron Rodgers shouldn't win the MVP. If your argument for Rodgers to not win the MVP is because people don't like him, that's not a good enough argument. Aaron Rodgers won this award last season. And in the course of doing so, and by the way, last season, Aaron Rodgers threw for 4,299 yards with 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's a heck of a season. Derrick Henry last year. Derrick Henry had over 2,000 rushing yards and did not win the award over Aaron Rodgers. Derrick Henry last year finished with 2,027 yards and 17 touchdowns. Nope, not the MVP. Aaron Rodgers was your MVP. Aaron Rodgers this year has thrown for 3,689 yards, 33 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Now, we know how great Aaron Rodgers is. He has only thrown double-digit interceptions twice in his career. 11 picks in 2010, 13 picks in 2008. 33 touchdowns to four interceptions. That's insane. When you compare Aaron Rodgers now to Tom Brady, who is is going to be competing with here for this award. Brady has thrown for 4,580 yards. So about 800 more yards than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers also played one less game than Tom Brady. So essentially Brady has thrown maybe a game's worth more than Rodgers because if Rodgers played that game that he missed, maybe let's say he has a 300-yard performance, you know, you look at Brady having a, if Rodgers, three more yards, put him at 3989. Let's, let's just put him at 4,000. So Brady's at like about five, 580, so about 600 yards more than him, okay? A little more than a game. It might be two games more, but okay. Brady has thrown 37 touchdowns. So he has four more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers. Again, in one more game. But Brady has thrown 11 interceptions to Rodgers' four. I look at the way that Rodgers has played. The team is winning. They're likely going to finish 14-3 and with the number one seed in the NFC. And what hurts Tom Brady, in my opinion, is that he had... That clunker of a performance. He threw for 214 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception against New Orleans. He also had a game this year against New England where he threw for 269 yards and zero touchdowns. 
He had two games this year where he did not throw a touchdown pass. And look, he's had, well, he had a four-touchdown game, a couple, a bunch of four-touchdown games. He had a five-touchdown game. So he's he's put up the numbers. There's no doubt about that. But he had the clunker. And I, I, I don't I don't like the clunker. I don't like the clunker on your resume. Now, Rodgers had two games this year, just like Brady, that he didn't throw a touchdown in. He had the one clunker. That clunker was in game one of the season against New Orleans. And that one was kind of predictable because you had everything that was going on in the offseason, the will he, won't he. He didn't play at all in the preseason. And they got absolutely spanked by the New Orleans Saints, a game that was played in Jacksonville. Rodgers threw for 133 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Since that performance, Rodgers has thrown for 33 touchdowns and two picks. If you just take away game one of the season. 33 touchdowns and two interceptions. Been the best quarterback in football. We know it's a quarterback award. Jonathan Taylor's name has been floated. He is actually the third favorite to win the award or the second favorite to win the award, actually, ahead of Brady. But I can't, I can't do it. I can't give it to a running back. No running back has won this award since 2012. And if Jonathan Taylor were out with COVID, how much would this line be changed with this game coming up against the Raiders? Maybe it would be a little bit of a change, and people would think, oh, this is, this is going to affect them. The offense is definitely going to be affected. But you still got your quarterback, Carson Wentz. Still got the weapons on the outside. You know, Naeem Hines will have to step up. If Carson Wentz is out now, now you're saying, uh-oh, we're going to have to start Sam Ellinger in this game. And I just don't know if... uh I don't know if he can handle it. I don't know if we're going to win this game. That spread jumped down from seven to what? One and a half, two before being put back up with the fact that Wentz could come back. I mean, right there's your argument. Carson Wentz is the most valuable player on that team. Not the most outstanding, but in terms of value, it's a quarterback award. And that's why right now it's Aaron Rodgers' award to lose. He will be your back-to-back MVP in the NFL. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Go on. Go on. Go on. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.